Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the MMA Archive. Man, it's been a while. I'm really excited to get right back into things and give you all the history that we've been waiting for. I'm really excited to be back. Watching this um, full event was really a pleasure. I was unexpectedly surprised and i think there's a lot of uh new developments uh that are going to play out within the next couple events that got me super hyped up so uh with that all being said why don't we get right into it today's episode is going to be focused around ufc 15.5 ultimate japan uh this one is the first event outside of the u.s which took place in yokohama japan on December 21st, 1997. Um, And our TV announcers for this one, Mike Goldberg making his UFC debut, Jeff Blatnick, Bruce Buffer, and then once again, Jeff Blatnick doing post-fight interviews. Um, I'm a fan of Mike Goldberg in this role, man. I think (laughs) over time, um, he let the reins go a little bit because on this one, man, he was super professional getting his cues out exactly when he needed to not memeing around as much as we've come to know him. Um, so it was really cool to see him making his debut and see how things have changed over time. Um, obviously in more of a negative way, but Hey, uh, you got to start somewhere and Goldberg did his thing at this one. So, um, in this event, there is a heavyweight tournament as well as featured bouts, for Vitor Belfort against Joe Charles, as well as a main event heavyweight title fight between Maury Smith and Randy Couture. Um, Once again, just wanted to note that headbutts are now illegal, so they should no longer be involved in these matches whatsoever. There are seven fights total, so let's get right into this thing, man. The first fight of the night is between Brad Kohler versus Trey Teligman. This is a heavyweight tournament alternate bout. Um, obviously, in case something happens, uh, whoever wins will be the one that will step in. So with that being said, this is Trey Teligman's second UFC fight. He lost to Vitor Belfort at UFC 12, and this is Brad's UFC debut. The ref for this fight was Joe Hamilton. Brad is standing at 5'9", 212, while Trey is standing at 6'2", 228 pounds. Obviously, Trey is much taller, much larger, uh, but Brad Kohler is clearly on some fucking steroids, like respectfully. Most of these guys are probably on the gas, let's be real, but he's like chubby, chubby thick. Like that that's how you know them steroids is kicking in when um, you're blown up, but still fucking jacked. It's hilarious. Um, so yeah, super small versus, uh, against Trey, but... I thought the matchup honestly led to a lot of stalemates because of the height difference. Kohler obviously trying to go down and uh, secure as many takedowns as possible. But um, it just became a matchup of sort of Trey trying to defend a takedown, getting taken down, and then moving from there. So as this fight started, uh, Trey stuffed a nice double-leg attempt, uh, but on the break got hit with a nice overhand right from Brad, which obviously the much smaller man, it's hard to land those. So I was kind of intrigued to see if that was something he'll go for as far as strikes on the clinch break. I think that's one of the best ways to land damage in MMA. So it's really cool seeing that um, take effect back in the day. 
Um, Kohler eventually lowered Trey into a double leg and passed his legs into side control. Pretty nice. I think that was a very slick move and obviously shows why he wants to be on the ground. Um, Brad ends up working his way to full mount, getting some nice body head ground and pound, but really focused more so on control. So much so that Joe Hamilton literally stood them up because um, Brad wasn't doing much from that full mount position. I personally feel like you should never be separated from full mount because that's how dominant a position it is. That's almost like giving up back mount. Um, at the same time, I could see that the action did stall. So I don't know how to feel about this one, but ultimately I feel like as a rule, you shouldn't be taken out of that position. Like you, as the defender, you should be forced to work at least into half guard um, before thoughts of uh, stopping that action begins. But either way, Kohler ends up on the feet, securing another double leg takedown straight into side control. He does a very good job of clearing those legs once they land. Um, Trey is also doing a good job at trapping Kohler in the guard so that he can't strike, holding on, doing good job tying up and closing the space between his head and Brad's chest. Um, eventually, Brad works his way into half guard. And then he tried really hard to pass the leg, sold it very well, sort of put his hand on, on the leg, trying to clear that half guard. And then out of nowhere, just decided, all right, I'm going to crack you. Let go of the legs and just started throwing some bombs to Trey. I thought that was a really good moment for Brad. Um, make him think pass and then just go for the strikes. Uh, landed some big shots doing that. Eventually, back on the feet, Trey lands a really nice calf kick that forced Brad to shoot for a takedown. He gets it, but he ends up in a weird position uh, where he's trying to strike. He ends up throwing a punch, and as he throws that punch, um, Brad <laughs> Brad is in all sorts of trouble. As he's throwing that punch, Trey just lands, uh, swings into the arm bar, and... It was just so unexpected because up to this point, yes, it's been a struggle. Yes, it hasn't been easy for Brad to get the success. But for the most part, he's been the one dominating. He's been the one taking control of the initiative and putting himself in the good positions throughout this fight. Uh, so this was just a really big Hail Mary comeback win for Trey Telegman. At 10 minutes and five seconds of round number one, he gets the submission by armbar. Uh, just a really good position, really good transition as well, and a great way to start off the night. Next up was our first semifinal bout of the heavyweight tournament. Give me one sec. Excuse me. When the sneezes come, there's not much you can do about it, but it's David Tank Abbott standing at six foot 276 pounds coming up against yoji anjo who's standing at 510 to 20 um tank is six and six in the ufc while this is anjo's ufc debut the ref from this point forward is big john mccarthy so this this fight man obviously someone that we're very familiar with versus a brand new ufc newcomer they were talking a lot about his previous escapades in a organization called why am i forgetting now i think it was comeback i hope i'm not wrong about that um but hyping him up about that said that a lot of uh there was an event recently where tank had some students competing as well as yoji had some students competing uh so there's a little bit of blood uh bad blood because of that 
um, doesn't really boil over in the fight, but uh, let's get right into it, man. Tank secured an immediate quick takedown, powerful, explosive, gets into top position, and then props him up in the uh, against the fence, almost like he did against Steve Jenham, where he's holding the fence, using it to hold Anjo in place, and then just landing bombs from there. Uh, Tank is a fucking savage, and that has long been illegal, but somehow he's still... Still gets away with it. You got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, so Tanks is just landing bombs from this top position. Stretched out the fence so much using Anjo's head that you can literally see like a head print in, in the outline of the fence. It was crazy. Um, as he's continuing to do that, Anjo's threatening. He ends up locking up an arm bar. You can see Tank is wincing hard. Um, but he moved right over the legs in a beautiful way and then just starts landing shots once again from the top position. Eventually, Big John separates them to the feet, and then he actually gave Anjo a, a hand in getting up. Like, he helped him stand up, stood him up, said, you good, and then walked over. Obviously, in today's MMA, whenever there's any break in action, they ask the fighter to get up and then they make sure that they get up on their own accord you can't have for example the corner come into the into the cage and pick your fighter up off the ground so i just found it really odd uh that big john did that it's just super weird i mean your corner can't even do that um but we'll see we'll keep an eye on that moving forward in events just to see if that's a trend or if that's something that's rare um but once they're back on the feet, Tank ends up securing another blast takedown, ends up in Angel's guard. Tank posturing up, trying to get out of a triangle attempt. He ends up falling through and just let's, says, fuck it, puts all his weight on the crown of his head and lands on Anjo, headbutting him, like literally headfirst <laughs> into Anjo. And I'm like, of course. Um, and then Big John didn't call it. Why would he? Um just a, just a funny moment that they meant they mentioned it very specifically hey there's no headbutts allowed and then <laughs> he just goes full in on dropping his weight right onto anjo um but from there big john ends up separating them after about five minutes of top control tank is gassed and you could see him with his hands on his knees uh, a sight that we've come familiar with um, at this point in the ufc uh, but he keeps throwing punches whenever Angel gets close, and that sort of keeps them at distance for a little bit. Finally, Tank lands his third takedown of the bout and sticks with top position until the round is over. In the overtime period, Tank ends up getting another takedown and remaining in top control for the remainder of the fight. I'm not going to lie, this fight was fucking boring. It was boring. The first three minutes were good where you see Tank doing Tank's shit, basically. And then from there on out, it's just uh, sloppy top control. So this this was a tough one to watch, I'll be honest. Uh, but to our third fight of the night, just like that, some very familiar names making their UFC debut. So I'm really excited to cover this one for you guys. We've got Marcus Conan Silvera standing at 6'2", 240 pounds, coming up against Kazushi Sakuraba. At 5'9", 203 pounds, this is the second semifinal bout of the heavyweight tournament. Obviously, Sakuraba coming way under that limit, and Conan is a huge dude. 
Uh, so I'm really excited for this matchup. These are two guys who are MMA legends in their own right. Conan, obviously, being a main staple at American Top Team as a trainer. And Kazushi Sakuraba being the poster boy of Pride FC. Um, making his UFC debut before he even competed in Pride, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm really excited to... Yes, that's true. So I'm really excited to see how this plays out, see how this works out. Definitely looks just like uh, Patty the Batty with his haircut and the shorts. So I get why uh, Patty used to wear the Sakuraba shorts in honor because uh, they have a very similar look to them, surprisingly. Uh, but the beginning of this fight, both of them are sh uh, fainting shot takedowns at, at range, just sort of trying to find the right moment. Sakuraba ends up fainting high with the hands and then ducking under entirely. Conan grabs the neck, but from there, this was so this is just a Herculean effort, if you ask me. I think Sakuraba must be extremely strong. Uh, because from the guillotine position, Sakuraba builds back up his knees underneath Conan and completes a takedown. So now think of that. He already has the guillotine wrenched up in this position. Sakuraba's underneath him, obviously, in order for him to get that position. And then from there, Sakuraba literally builds his knees up underneath Conan because his weight is underneath him and then turns out his leg in order to get that outside trip takedown. Just a beautiful move. Um, clearly very strong to drive through like that into the fence um, with obviously someone so freaking big. So that, that was just a really impressive moment that as soon as he got that takedown, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but from there, Conan does a really good job of getting his legs in play and starting to attack for a Hugh hook. Um, in that sort of exchange 50, 50 position, Conan lands a nice upkick as Sakuraba is trying to defend that heel hook. So he's trying to keep him occupied on both levels. And Conan does a great job of working off his back, tying a limb, grabbing a shoulder, grabbing a wrist, and then striking on that same side. So coming in behind the trapped arm, coming in behind the trapped shoulder, just a very good way to sort of force a diversion, make them look over here, and then come over um, the top with your strikes. Really cool and really cool to see someone doing this so long ago. Um, and it's kind of bugged out, too, because you see young Conan, obviously his son, Josh Silvera, has been competing recently as well. You can see a lot of similarities between the two of them. Josh, uh, smaller for sure, um, but just facially, they look very similar. So it was it was kind of a trip to watch this one. Uh, eventually, Conan forces a scramble by going two on one on Sakuraba's wrist. So he's from the back, grabbing both hands to sort of extend and change that position. Eventually, he circles to the back and gets a nice trip, um, but loses position. Sakuraba literally is on top, but Conan is trying to attack a Kimura, so he has his arm secured. And the way Sakuraba stays out of danger is quite literally spinning around and keeping himself behind Conan in order to keep his shoulders safe. So Conan is holding his arm, but he's spun around already. So it's not sort of being torqued behind his back. I hope that makes sense. It's hard to hard to visually um, imagine, but uh, definitely check out the fight because it was a really cool scramble um, that got them to that position. Eventually, both get back to their feet and Conan starts unloading bombs on Sakuraba against the fence. Sakuraba is just covering up 
and then you see a left uppercut get through that you could see really does some damage. And from there, Sakuraba immediately shoots shoots in very strongly. Like it's a it's a real good shot on to the right ankle of Conan. But in as soon as he goes down to shoot the leg, Big John stops the fight and everyone's like, what the fuck? Um the crowd is getting upset. His corners are getting upset. When I was watching it, I first I had to watch it back a couple times because at first I was like, oh, that's a that's a defendable stoppage just because he's not he's not fighting back. Like he's defending, he's covering up. But you know how they always say you gotta move fighter, or you gotta fight back. He wasn't moving out of that position. He was stuck against the fence, getting bombed on. And what I thought happened after watching it back over and over again, I think this is an unjustified stoppage. It's an early stoppage for sure. But what Big John was seeing was as soon as he dove in for the takedown, Big John took that as Sakuraba falling from the strike. Like that, that's the only thing that makes sense because he immediately wraps the leg and is basically in a good position to get a takedown. Um, so for him to stop the fight there, clearly he thought that Sakuraba was out and headed to the canvas. Instead, he heads, he's, he gets up and he's immediately arguing. Excuse me. He gets up and is just immediately arguing like, hey, what happened? Um, why you stopped it? And he's like, fuck. He throws his um, mouthpiece at the cage. He's super upset. And that's that's that. It ends at a minute and 51 seconds of round number one. They they packed a lot of action into that minute and 51 seconds. Uh, Got to hand it to them. Really awesome fight, and it sucks that it had to end that way. Uh, but now they'll face the um, the UFC vet, Tank Abbott. So it's going to be Marcus Conan Silvera versus Tank Abbott, two giants uh, facing off in the heavyweight tournament. I'm excited to check that one out. Next up, the debut of the middleweight championship, which was created for Kevin Jackson, who's standing at 5'10", 199 pounds. He's 2-0 in the UFC and won the middleweight tournament at UFC 14 versus Frank Shamrock. This is Ken's brother, adopted, I might add. So they're not related by blood, but they both they're both on the same supplements, I promise. <laughs> dude is jacked i mean kevin jackson is a fucking specimen as well um but i don't get the juicy vibes that i get from frank shamrock from kevin jackson it's, it's a big difference for sure um frank shamrock standing at 5'10, 193 pounds so this one starts off like all kevin jackson fights kevin jackson just blitzes forward Cracks Shamrock with two right hands and pushes him back to the fence. Immediately, you could tell he's a much more physical specimen. Locks up a double leg takedown and throws him right to the ground. Like, easy, easy takedown. But as soon as they land, Kevin extends his right hand. Um, I don't know if it was to post or to land a strike. I couldn't exactly tell. But as soon as he misses, uh, Frank wraps up the arm and inverts to the left side, which is not easy to do. I know that sounds silly, but as someone who's right-handed, inverting to the right side is much easier for me personally. Um, so I don't know 
how it is for Frank Shamrock, but it was just a beautiful inversion to get to that arm and immediately get the tap winning by armbar at 16 seconds to become the inaugural UFC middleweight champion. Man, this was fucking exciting. This was really exciting. Obviously, Kevin Jackson was the proven commodity, the person that we thought uh, the UFC was trying to build this division on. And Shamrock just upsets the apple cart, man. Shocks all of us and becomes the middleweight champion. Can't wait to see who he fights next and what that storyline develops into. Uh, But awesome to see an inaugural um, championship bout end like this. Just a dominant performance by Frank Shamrock, who even though he was getting manhandled in the first couple seconds, uh, turned it around beautifully and secured the dub. So next up, that's at, once again, 16 seconds of the first round. So next up, the heavyweight super fight between Joe the Ghetto Man Charles, who is standing at 6'1", 265 pounds, versus Vitor Belfort, who is 6'1", 230 pounds. This fight, this fucking fight, dude. This fucking fight. I was hyped for this fight. Obviously, Vitor's 3-1 in the UFC. His last loss was to Randy Couture at UFC 15, the very previous event. Uh, so trying to get that taste out of his mouth. Joe Charles is 2-1 with his last win coming via key lock at UFC 7.5, the ultimate ultimate. So it's been a while, um, but it's always notable. Whenever I see his name, I always remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's definitely fought in the UFC before. So it was fun looking up those dates because he's been a UFC veteran since UFC 4. Um, so he's been around for a while now, hasn't competed in a bit, but he's back to get fucking bombed on. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. Um, so Joe comes out in Southpaw, showing kicks off the front leg, which is super weird. <laughs> Especially in today in this time, but it's it's a weird tactic. Let's be real. Vito ends up rushing in, securing double unders up against the fence, gets a nice trip and circles right into side control. From there, he gets knee on belly and then into full mount, like just clinically working these positions and advancing on Joe Charles. And the, the commentators are making a point to say that, you know, Vitor said, hey, I might not even throw punches. Like I might just focus on my grappling because I'm a good grappler. And you could see that that was his goal and he did a damn good job at doing it. Um Let's go. He decided, I thought this was important to note, after he was in full mount, he didn't even throw any punches. He secured the position, stood there for a little bit, and then just let go of full mount entirely. Put his, put his Go back to knee on belly on the opposite side. And then Vitor starts isolating Joe Charles's arm, looking for a Kimura. He got it really deep, uh, but Joe did a really good job of rolling through on the mat so that that torque is no longer there. Finally, from that position, Vitor ends up on top, holding Joe Charles as if he's, I mean, the correct, correct term for this is a rape choke, where you're literally on top of the person, strangling them, doesn't technically, doesn't work for the most part in competition, um, and should be given a new name, let's be real, uh, but does that until 
he decides to roll into the armbar at four minutes and three seconds. So like, let me let me say this real quick. He rolled into the armbar very slick, got the tap. It's a submission win. You can't complain too much, right? But just compared to the two armbars from earlier, Sakuraba and um, Frank Shamrock, it was super loose, man. <laughs> super loose. Like at that point, it felt like Joe Charles was already kind of out of there. But respect to Vito Belfort for coming in, proving a goddamn point. He's like, hell no. I'm going to win this fight by submission. And that's my only goal. So it was really cool to see him work his game that way, overcome his stamina issues, and win a fight at four minutes and three seconds, where previously we thought he only had about three minutes in him. Uh, so we'll see how long his, his cardio resurgence lasts. Uh, but next up, the heavyweight tournament finals bout. So this fight was originally supposed to be Marcus Conan Silvera versus David Tank Abbott. But Tank was not able to fight because he broke his hand in his previous fight. And he was also talking about that in the post-fight interview, how his hand was hurting. So this wasn't a shock, uh, but was still obviously not what we wanted. But we got a fucked up stoppage in the first one, so let's just run it back. Gangsta on the UFC's part. Just said, hey, the, the, st the stoppage was a little suspect. Give us a part two. <laughs> Conan Silvera versus Kazushi Sakuraba. Once again, I'll give, I would give you the math again, but no, I'm going to make you rewind it. If you want the information on their height and weight, rewind it. Check, check out the first time I spoke about it. Uh, but this rematch... I was hyped, honestly, that they made this happen because I'm like, Saku's getting the justice he deserves. But at the same time, we get to see how this fight would have played out. That's what matters, right? So fight starts. Conan secures a takedown from double unders. Uh, but Saku starts to attack the a Kimura. Good day for Kimuras, I must add. Um, he's able to force a, a scramble because of that uh, Kimura, but Conan ends up staying on top beautifully and he secures just a dominant top position by pinning sakuraba's wrist underneath him and staying on top so now once again that dagestani handcuff position uh that's been uh fam famously named uh by commentary teams so just securing that i mean it just shows once again that nothing is new just a beautiful job of securing that wrist and securing that top position finally saku does a good job of incrementally getting himself back to his feet and staying out of danger of submission even though um conan was on him the entire time and trying to get to his back sakuraba eventually secures a single leg and i wrote again here like this dude must be so strong because the way he goes into it it's from like a 50 50 position. Like, it's not like he, sh he was at space and then shot in and caught him off balance. Like they were both in a grappling position. Sakuraba decides to shoot the single leg and is able to secure it and get him down against the fence. Like Sakuraba dude must be fucking strong as fuck. Cause he's way smaller than Conan. Like, I, I know I said that before, but it's important <laughs> to make that distinction. Please check these fights out. Cause you'll see what I'm saying. Like that, that takedown looked fucking Hulk stuff. But anyway, uh, Sakuraba does a great job maintaining top position, swims right into side control. 
And Conan tries to sort of bench press Sakuraba off. And as soon as he does that, Sakuraba circles into the arm bar. Beautiful. And I just realized I fucking tipped this. Oh, man, that sucks. I'm sorry, guys. I totally tipped this result. I should have said um, Conan Silvera's arm bar instead of Sakuraba's arm bar earlier. But whatever. We'll leave that in. We'll leave that in for the people at home. Uh, but Sakuraba beautifully gets that arm fully extended and gets the tap at three minutes and 44 seconds. And I feel like personally, right after the main event, they should have just ran it, ran it back again. We need a trilogy. At this point, both guys got an arm bar. We need some finality here. And unfortunately, we do not fucking get it. Uh, they should have done a trilogy here. That would have been awesome. This, well, it's two, it's one and one. You can't have a middleweight champion. I mean, don't get me wrong, he got a submission win, but you can't have a middleweight champion. Excuse me. Who lost earlier in the night to the same guy that he beat? Doesn't make sense. Uh, but your middleweight champ, Kazusi Sakuraba. Looking forward to seeing him compete again, uh, wherever it may be. But just like that. We have reached the final <laughs> fight of this fight card between Maurice Smith and Randy Couture. Not going to lie to you, this one was rough. Fun to watch because of the stakes. Fun to watch because of who they are. Obviously, Maurice Smith, the first black heavyweight champ. Randy Couture, the a fucking legend. <laughs> like, Obviously, this moment has been a long time coming for Randy to, to fight for the title. Um, so super excited about this one coming in, coming out, <laughs> not so much, uh, but Murray Smith, six foot two, 223 pounds while Randy Couture is six foot 217 pounds. I have 277, but I know that's not true. Uh, so I'm going to say 217. Murray Smith is two and oh in the UFC after beating Tank Abbott at UFC 15. Well, Randy Couture is also 3-0 in the UFC with his last win coming at UFC 15 against Vitor Belfort. Randy Couture pressing forward. Maurice is super patient, landing jabs from the outside, trying to keep him on the outside range of his strikes. Uh, Randy gets a really big double leg takedown. Uh, Maurice is in on a guillotine, uh, but... Randy doesn't give a fuck about that. He clears the legs, and you could see just works his way right into side control. You can see he's very familiar with that wrestling position and getting out of those chokes. And, man, Randy Couture is just smothering on top. Pressures up, lands some big shots while maintaining side control, and is just all over him. Moves into mount. Randy starts hunting an arm triangle from mount. Eventually, Maurice Smith regains his half guard and then back into full guard. So just a battle of positions here. Uh, Randy lands some nice ground and pound, and Maurice uses it to try to grab some separation. He throws some big up kicks, one that lands and a couple that barely miss uh, that could have really hurt Randy. Let's be real. Uh, but he keeps flurrying. He doesn't care. He wants to land his strikes and take advantage of his top position. Um, very deliberate as well in his control on top just very controlled in passing and making moves to strike, uh, which I like, of course. And just like that, 
15 minutes is burned off the clock. And obviously Randy was dominating that entire first round uh, and nothing really changed in the first overtime period. Uh, just gets top control after securing a takedown and just rides it out, making it real miserable for Marie Smith in this overtime round. Randy looks a little reckless, sort of running in to get punches on the second overtime and eventually is able to get Maurice down again after eating some jabs on the way in. Um, Randy Couture ends up in uh, north-south, attacking a north-south choke, trying to circle. Uh, from that position, Maurice lands some nasty, nasty knees to the head. Uh, so think about it. He's attacking the submission. They're in. They're facing the opposite direction of one another. Um, and then Maurice just starts kicking that knee up and, and, and kneeing Randy Couture in the head. Uh, Randy says, fuck this, and returns the favor, lands some more uh, knees to, to um, Maurice Smith's head this time. Obviously much more impactful because he has, obviously he has the dominant position as far as wrapping up Maurice's neck. So he's holding his neck and kneeing him with the force of his entire body on top of him while Maurice is just getting his knee up from bottom. So I hope you hope that makes sense. Um, a lot more torque on Randy Couture's side than Maurice Smith's side, unfortunately for him. But this bout ends in the full distance, a full 21 minutes. And man, this one was this one was tough. It was dominant. We knew it the entire time that Randy Couture was winning and it was the deserved winner. But at the same time, he was never able to secure dominant position, secure big shots in a way that we felt where Maurice was in big trouble of being stopped. Um, all of that was missing. So I would say dominant performance for Randy Couture. He did the job. He did what he had to do. But at the same time, it um, might have been a little boring to watch. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, but just like that. That's UFC 15.5, Ultimate Japan. This was an awesome event, dude. Super short, um, but at the same time, filled with a lot of names that are familiar and a lot of names that are going to become huge staples in the UFC moving forward. Uh, so let's get right into our awards, right? Uh, the, the part you probably missed the most about this show. Uh, so fight of the night, I'm giving it to... Conan Marcus Silvera versus Kazushi Sakuraba number two of all the fights I mean I would argue on most events this isn't even a fight of the night but of all the fights this was the closest with back and forth action which obviously is my main criteria for the award so that's why they got it uh, moving on to performance of the night it has to be Frank Shamrock winning via armbar at 16 seconds against Kevin Jackson we know how dominant Kevin Jackson is. We saw how good he looked in his last event. And for him to turn the tide after being in trouble early, uh, just an awesome, awesome way to win the middleweight title for sure. So that's the performance of the night. KO of the night does not exist because there was no stoppage that was legitimate. Sorry, I'm not giving you that one, uh, Conan. Sorry, you're not getting that one. Uh, but finally, submission of the night. I'm giving it to Kazushi Sakuraba winning via armbar at 344 of the first round. Wasn't as quick as Frank Shamrock's submission, but I thought was the much more impressive given the size disparity and given what happened early in the night and how he lost by TKO 
came back, didn't care, didn't let the fear overwhelm him, <clears throat> and secures a win. Secures a fucking win. This this event was dope. It was shorter, so I'm excited to get into the swing of things with a more full event. Uh, but this was awesome, man. This was really cool recording the show again and getting back on track. So thank you so much for checking out the show. Please let me know what you liked. Let me know what you missed. Let me know if there's anything that you want me to add to the show, whether it's having someone here, whether it's segments to discuss certain things. Um, but my main sort of takeaways from this event was grappling is king. Like grappling is king. If you can dominate that top position, this is something we know still to this day. But if you could dominate that top position and put yourself in a position to win, it doesn't even matter what else you do. Like you don't have to go out there and win. You don't have to go out there and I mean, you're going to overexert yourself trying to control someone for sure, but you don't have to go out there trying to hunt a, a submission, hunt a, hunt a KO and put yourself in bad positions. You could just secure that top position and ride it out, uh, land a couple of strikes whenever you get a chance. And before you know it, you're getting that win. So awesome event at UFC 15 and a half. I can't wait to be back covering more retro UFC events with you guys very soon. Uh, so looking forward to connecting again next week. You can find me on Twitter at Negrong MMA, as well as on Instagram at Chris Negrong underscore. You can also find this show and all of our other shows at otsmediaco.com on all platforms or OTS Media on YouTube. Got to make sure I get that one out correctly. Uh, so with all the formalities being done, once again, thank you so much for checking out the show. And I can't wait to be back again next week. Throwback Thursday is here, baby. I'll see you guys next time. Peace.